Psalm 119, we'll start verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Thou hast dwelt well with my servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good, and dost good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forgot a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of my mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. You can be seated. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. That verse in Psalm 86, 11. You might remember, I'm kind of hoping that you remember that the last three times that I preached here at Weavertown, it was on different subjects from Psalm 119. If you don't remember, that's fine too. Um, but I have just reminded you of you that reminded you of that. I remember once I preached um, on verses one, the first two verses of Psalm 119. The next time uh, on the subject of the afflicted and what God says about afflictions, and then the last time it had to do with the various times that the proud were mentioned in Psalm 119. Today, I would like to conclude the series on Psalm 119, not because of any lack of material there or anything like that, uh, but just looking again at the beauty of this towering psalm and especially a certain uh, theme that seems to run throughout Psalm 119. I just learned recently and noticed that there is a phrase that appears seven times in Psalm 119. In those 176 verses, a phrase is mentioned seven times. It's a request. It's actually a prayer. Really, the entire of, entirety of Psalm 119 is a prayer. This phrase is mentioned exactly the same six times, and the seventh time it varies just a little bit. Now the portion that John just read in verses 64 to 72 includes twice that that phrase is mentioned, and, and I just mention also that there's a couple of verses in there that we had looked at before about affliction and the proud and so on. But do you see verse 64 and again in verse 68 as well as five other times where the Bible says, 
Teach me thy statutes. Seven times in Psalm 119, teach me thy statutes. So that will be the title that I've chosen for the, the, the sermon today, teach me thy statutes. I think that probably David was the author of Psalm 119. I can just see him in my mind's eye praying a number of times, teach me thy statutes. What is a statute? What are statutes? Well, that's not a word that we use very often today, is it? Although we are familiar with it in Psalm 119. It's one of a number of terms that are used um, to describe God's word. But what does it mean, statutes? Well, it's a governmental term. Really, one doesn't hear that word in our English very much, except having to do with uh, things of the government. Like uh, just a couple examples of sentences, like this one that I found. No precedent, no English statute could stand against the Constitution. Or secondly, there was every reason to believe the Supreme Court would have upheld the statute. So, statute is a term often used having to do with government, and in its most simple form, it means rule or law. Governments are, uh, have to do with laws, making laws, and, and making sure that they are upheld. Statutes, a governmental term. And think about that with me. Since lesser governments have their own rules and laws, certainly it is very fitting, isn't it, that the kingdom of God would have its own set of statutes, rules, or laws. Teach me thy statutes. If lesser kingdoms have their rules and laws, it's certainly fitting and right that the greatest kingdom in the whole wide world, by far, the most just, the most powerful, the longest lasting one of all the kingdoms of the, wor of the world that have ever been, the kingdom of God, how Fitting it is that the kingdom of God has its own set of statutes. And we as God's children are called to know those, to obey those, those statutes that the king of heaven has ordained for our good, for our protection, for our provision, for the good of all the subjects in the kingdom. Oh, that everyone here today could be indeed part of the kingdom of God. So, statutes, they, um, they are to know. And in the case of God's kingdom, if you have been born into a Christian family, if you have attended a Christian school or gone to church, certainly you know about these. We know it in our head. But the statutes are more than just to know, they are also to apply to us individually, for me individually, and you individually. Application. Not only that, but they are 
to obey. They're not just suggestions that can be done if it's convenient or if we feel like it or anything like that. No, no, statutes. They're rules or laws. They are to be obeyed. And there's another step beyond that. And I believe that especially in God's kingdom, the kingdom of God and the statutes that we are to be taught, teach me thy statutes, is that we are to not only to know them and apply them and obey them, but the next, the next step that follows naturally is that we enjoy those statutes. If we are really a subject of the kingdom of God, ultimately they are not only to be known and applied and obeyed, but also to be enjoyed and to love them. So this is a, Psalm 119 is a prayer. This phrase is a prayer. Teach me thy statutes. David uttered that repeatedly. And I believe that the king of heaven, his desire would be that the subjects today, citizens of the heavenly kingdom, would really pray that and mean that and follow that. To, for God to continually teach us his statutes. Looking with me at Psalm 119, verse 12, the first mention of this phrase. Verse 12, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. So, why... Would we be interested, why would God's people be interested in learning God's statutes? Well, one reason is given in this verse, and I notice that especially with the word Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. You see it there in verse 12. It's a sad truth that almost all the cultures of this world and the nations and the peoples of the ancient world believed in many gods. And these gods, these idols, were really made in the image of men. If one goes to Isaiah 44, is it? And or the Bible talks about how silly it is that anybody would take a piece of wood and maybe burn some of it for, for firewood and with the rest of it carve it out and turn it into an idol and bow down and worship it. How silly that is. Although we have perhaps our own set of idols in our more modern times. But these gods in, old, in ancient times were made, they were devised by men, imagined by men. And the interesting thing is that these gods were just like the people. They were very sinful. And the idols pictured tremendously sinful lifestyles. You know, they were lustful. These gods were jealous. They were revengeful, certainly immoral. And the other thing about those idols that people actually worshipped was that they were always changing, maybe becoming a little greater or, depends on circumstances, becoming a little less in stature and in power. 
in contrast to that. In the greatest contrast to that is the one true and living God who you children uh, studied about last week. Remember? Elijah, who was convinced of the power and the being of the one true God, the God of heaven and earth. There is only one God, and his name is Lord. Blessed art thou, O Lord, the one true, the only true and living God. This God, the real one, there is only one, is self-existent. That means that he exists all by himself. He doesn't need anybody or anything to exist, which is so much different than what we are. We need all kinds of things. We need air. We need oxygen. We need water. We need food. We need each other. We need God. We, we are so needy. But this God, the one true God, the Lord, is self-existent. He can live all by himself. He's ever-existent. He's unchangeable and He's also holy, which simply means uniquely pure. Thank God that there is such a God, the one true and living God, the Lord of heaven and earth, the King of heaven. Thank God that there is such a God, and thank God that we, he has revealed himself to sinful people like us. No wonder that David would say, and how fitting it is for us from our hearts to say, as we think of this God, the Lord, that we say, teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119, verse 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. That would be a fitting prayer, that verse would be a fitting prayer for you and for me this week as we go through life. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. I go now to verse 26, having looked at verse 12. We want to learn his statutes because he is the one true God, verse 12. Verse 26, why is it that we would want to learn his statutes? I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. That's verse 26. I get the feeling here that David is referring to confession of sins when he says, I have declared my ways. I have declared to you, Lord, that I am sinful and I am, have done wrong. I, I, I think it's pretty clear that that's the context there. I have declared my ways. Do you remember that David did that? In, there's examples of that in the Psalms. And would you just turn with me real quickly to Psalm 32? This is one expression of David's. When he had sinned. It's a psalm of forgiveness. Psalm 32, and I just will read, as you follow along, the first five verses. Think about David. Think about ourselves. Think about how David was completely humble and repentant before the God who forgives. 
Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Thank God for a, that he is a God who forgives. Not only is he the one true God who redeems and saves his people, but he also forgives. Verse 26 he for, of back in Psalm 119, he forgives when we confess and repent. He did that for David. We can also look at Psalm 51. He does that for his children today. So one of the statutes of the kingdom of God, one of the laws or rules is that if we're... that... One of the statutes is that it include, that to be a member of this kingdom, it includes being a repentant and confessing type of person. Humble enough to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I sinned, I went against you, my heart is not clean, but would you forgive? And he does, verse 26, thou hurtest me, and thou hurtest me, teach me thy statutes. If we are serious about praying, teach me thy statutes, we shouldn't be surprised if the king comes, gets back to us and majors on repentance and confession of sin. Thank God that he is a king. He is the king who forgives our iniquities and our sins as we repent and confess. There's a man named uh, Ray Pritchard who I'm subscribed to his blog and every day he writes a few things. And, I, and it seems like this man is especially uh, often talks on this subject of confession and repentance. Or maybe it just seems that way to me because maybe because I need that subject and that truth so bad. So I have a habit of when there are interesting quotes that I see that I often write them down so I can refer to them later. And as we're thinking of this subject of the king who forgives teaching us his statutes, I just offer these five quotes from Mr. Pritchard. Once, a number of years ago, he said, when the thing that matters is getting free from the burden of sin, when we no longer sugarcoat our sin, when we desperately seek restored fellowship with God and with his people, when we no longer worry about our reputation, when what God thinks matters than what others think, then we will find the forgiveness we seek because our repentance has led us back to the Lord. Another time he said, 
Repentance is a decisive change in direction. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of thinking, that leads to a change of attitude, that leads to a change of feeling, that leads to a change of values, that leads to a change in the way you live. Another time he said, the first step in repentance, excuse me, the first step in repentance is to stop making excuses. The fourth one I'm thinking of, we will never be more like Jesus than when we pray for those who have hurt us deeply. And then, uh, Mr. Pritchard referred to 1 Corinthians 13.5 where it says, love thinketh no evil. And some of the modern translations say something like this, love does not keep a record of wrong. Then, Mr. Pritchard advises us, try to remember this. You'll probably need it before the end of the day. He is a God who forgives. Not only is he a God who is the only one true living God, but he is the God who forgives. No wonder that we as God's people say and pray and mean, teach me thy statutes. Going on to verse 64, the third mention of this prayer, teach me thy statutes in Psalm 119. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Not only is he the one true God and living God, not only does he forgive when we repent, but he is merciful. He's the merciful king throughout the world. Notice the emphasis of the earth. It's all full of the mercy of God. Psalm 64, Psalm 119, 64 declares, he is the merciful God throughout this wide world, throughout the creation, throughout this wide world. He is merciful. The king is merciful. And you might know that the tendency of kings and the tendency of those in authority, the tendency is often the opposite. The more power or authority that a man wields, the more chance that that authority is used wrongly and in an unmerciful way. We could probably make a list of, we could make a long list of examples of that throughout um, history. And some of those are not too far removed from our time and place. This king is merciful. And I would, would need to say too that those who are unmerciful in places of authority. That's not, unfortunately, only in political circles, but also happens in religious circles, who prove that they are very unmerciful and equally unjust. But not so this king. He is merciful, and we want to learn, we want to be taught of those statutes, his merciful, the merciful side that's not said quite right. The merciful side of God. That word mercy in verse 64 is often um, in modern translations, it's sometimes rendered loving kindness. And I think you will see that the original Hebrew word is the same as the word that is off many other times, various other times, especially in the book of Psalms, is 
rendered in the King James, loving kindness. So I like to think of that term. He, the king, is full of loving kindness. He's full of mercy. He's full of loving kindness. And I noticed also with interest that loving kindness is, I think, in the King James Bible is used uh, maybe 26 times, mentioned 26 times, and 21 of those times are in the book of Psalms. The theme of the loving kindness of our Lord is especially evident in the book of Psalms. Loving kindness. I think it would be fitting just to read a, just a couple of those places in the, in the book of Psalms where that theme and that term is in view. Psalm 17.7 I will just read these few verses, maybe not make comments otherwise. Psalm 17, 7. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand, them which put their trust in thee, from those that rise up against them. Them that put their trust in thee. Throughout the whole world, in other words. Just like verse 64 says, The, the earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Psalm 36, verse 7. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. And we hear echo, amen, don't we? How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Verse 10. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. To the upright in heart. Which brings us really to something that we really need to talk about here should we, do we not, is that the king is merciful. He is the merciful one. He is our king. He is our sovereign. He is in command. But certainly the merciful king calls every one of the citizens of his kingdom to be exactly the same way, full of mercy. May God help us um, in our lives this coming week as we go from here to somehow model and mirror the mercy of God to the people around us, to those that we come in contact with in a life that is full of loving kindness. Well, another reason why we need, want to learn to be taught by God's statutes is in verse 68. Notice we're just moving along here and we're now at the fourth one of seven. First three, we want to be taught God's statutes because he's the only true living God. And because he's the king who forgets. I'm sorry, who forgives. He forgives. Thirdly, because he is the merciful king of creation and of all of life. How about verse 68? Well, you notice that thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. We want to be taught God's statutes. God's children, God, the citizens of God's kingdom, certainly want to be taught God's statutes because God is good. He's good and he does good. We, we want to be taught his statutes because he's the good king. Of course we want to learn those kind of rules, those kind of laws. The statutes 
of the king. He's a good king. He's the good king. And again, we kind of emphasize that he's the only good person. Not only the only good king, but the only good person. Jesus said that himself in Luke 18, 19. Remember when the rich young ruler came to him and asked him a question or two? Jesus said, none is good except one, that is God. God is good. Thank God that we serve the good king. There's a burning question I think that needs to be asked. I don't think I can answer it very well, but I can try. How can God be good if, for instance, in Old Testament days, he wanted sinful people to be killed off and eradicated? How can God really be good if even today he consigns unbelievers to hell? Well, God is good. God is good. Um, let me read a quote or two that I found in a Got Questions website that uh, maybe can help us in the right direction here. And I quote, To say that God is good means that God always acts in accordance to what is right, true, and good. Goodness is part of God's nature, and he cannot contradict his nature. Holiness and righteousness are part of God's nature. He cannot do anything that is unholy or unrighteous. God is the standard of all that is good, end quote. Do, do you notice that these people say that part of God's goodness is his holiness and righteousness? All of God's attributes, all of that God is, are all part of God's being, and they never contradict, but they balance and, uh, and combine in God's being and in his attributes. God is good. I wish I could explain it better, but I am convinced that no matter what happens to me, or what happens to anybody or anything in earth, on this earth, that God is good. Even if Linda Stolzfuses disappear, God is good. God is good all the time. God is good. Another quote, the fact that God is good means that he has no evil in him. His intentions and motivations are always Good. He always does what is right, and the outcome of his plan is always good. God is good. Thank God that he is good. I think we, and when we're really honest with ourselves, no matter what we have faced in life, in the way of evil and wickedness and others making life hard for us and others being against us and others not treating us correctly at all. In spite of all that, we know that God is good. Thank God that he is good. We believe by faith that God is good. And one of the, the day is coming. One of these days, it will become ever more evident when we get over yonder, up there, that God 
is nothing but always perfectly good. Thank God that he is good. We want to learn his statutes. Thou art good and doest good, verse 68 says. Teach me thy statutes. Moving on to... Well, let me just say, I'll quote part of Romans 2.4, back in the New Testament where God says, knowing this, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's God's goodness that brings us to repentance. Looking with me now at verse 124 of Psalm 119, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. We had just noticed in verse 64 that he is the merciful king. And thus, therefore, we want to learn those statutes. We want to be taught those statutes. He is merciful throughout the whole wide earth, verse 64 says. And do you notice that 124, although it's a similar theme of mercy, God's mercy, that here it is an individual mercy. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy. Not only is God merciful throughout the whole world, but he is, thank God, merciful to me. He is merciful to you. God is dealing with us again. I reiterate. He's dealing only with us in loving kindness ways. God is right. God is good. God is merciful. Even in the midst of all kinds of trouble, God is merciful. Lord, teach me your statutes. That of mercy, mercy from you that is transmitted to other people all around me. And then in verse 136, verse 135, Psalm 119, 135, Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. We want to learn God's statutes. We who are members of the kingdom of God, because he is the only true and right God. Because he's the forgiving God. Because he's the merciful God. And he's the good God. And he's merciful not only to everybody in the whole world, but he's merciful to me and to you individually. Verse 135. Now, what is that about... What does the Bible mean when it talks about making thy face to shine upon thy servant? Thy slave. Other places in the Bible, like uh, number 6, 24 through 27, it says something similar about um, lifting up his countenance upon us and giving us peace. What about God making his face to shine upon us and lifting up his countenance unto us? Well, I think I understand. I think it's indicating a smile of approval. So God looks down at us and looks us in the eye, as it were, and smiles at us. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. And so when we pray this prayer in verse 135, we're saying, oh Lord, could I just be, I'm requesting your approval of me. 
And I would further say that if we are the kind of person who is repentant, who repents and confesses, and who is merciful, and who is good, and is good, and is merciful, then um, God says through the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, and his shed blood, yes, you're approved, and I smile upon you. So, make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. In contrast to that, there are six verses, if I'm correct, six verses in the book of Psalms that talk about how don't turn your face away. We do well to pray those kind of prayers as well because we understand how that when we are not right and up to date before God, certainly a just and holy God as he is will turn his face from us. But thank God for forgiveness of sins as we repent and confess. And so I just ask the question for your sake and for mine. Is God's face smiling upon you? Is it smiling upon me? If God is not smiling upon you, if he's not looking you in the eye with a smile, but is more turning his face from you, would you just be willing to repent and confess even now as you're sitting there in your pew? And thank God for his smile upon our lives. And his, yes, his smile through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his shed blood and his resurrection. Well, going to the final time when this phrase is used, verse 171, my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Just a little bit different phrase. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. And I ask you and I ask myself, has God taught me his statutes and we quickly say don't we that well yes and no yes God has taught us a lot in since we have been born again and hopefully by his grace we have grown in grace and have been taught and have been taught his various statutes that he wants us to know and understand and apply and obey and love but there's all. We have so much more to learn and understand. So often, if you're like me, you're not the best student of all. You're not the best learner of all. But we do, even where we are today, looking forward to learning more and learning better and learning more completely the statutes of the King of Heaven, we do praise him, don't we? As, one, as one, verse 171 indicates we praise God for his wonderful works to the children of men. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that we can be continually be taught his statutes and 
May that indeed be you, and may that be me this week, that we pray and really mean, teach me thy statutes, and that we praise God along with that, and accordingly, and especially because of his teaching us that which we need to know for the kingdom of God's sake. All right, I think we're ready to come to prayer, and it occurred to me that maybe we could for prayer, do just a little bit differently today. Instead of kneeling, why don't you stand? And you can go ahead and stand. And why don't we, if that is our aim, to be taught God's statutes, that maybe we could just pray these verses, you in your own heart before God, but, but let's pray it aloud. So, do you have your Bibles ready? Remember, the first one is in verse 12. So, if we just say this together, and in the process we're praying this together, verse 12, and then we'll move to verse 26, and so on. And I'll try to help you along there. Are you ready? Lord, verse 12, Blessed art thou, O Lord, Teach me thy statutes. Verse 26. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. And verse 68. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 124. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. Verse 135. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. And verse 171. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a God who is the only one true living God. Thank you that you are a forgiving God. And that you are merciful throughout all the earth. And that you're the good king. And you're merciful to us individually. And that you will shine upon us. Your, your face will shine upon us as we follow your ways and as you keep teaching us your statutes. And Lord, I pray that we would, from pure hearts, pure and holy hearts, touched by the statutes of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, be the kind of people who are praising you for your goodness and your wonderful works to the children of men. Thank you for the privilege of being here today, for the privilege of being here, we haven't been, we've been here in freedom, we haven't been um, hindered by outside forces. Thank, Lord, I pray for our government, thank you for our government, and in these critical days, I pray that the fear of God could be upon them, uh, from Mr. Trump all the way down to local officials. Yeah. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your will could be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. Thank you that you're coming soon. Thank you for heaven, and that you have prepared that way. And again, we pray, Heavenly Father, 
Teach us thy statutes. In Jesus' name, amen.